0: Hey everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, July 22nd. Time for episode 360 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. And of course, go to our website. Uh, clnsmedia.com for our complete NFL and Patriots coverage led by the great coverage of one Evan Lazar. Welcoming back today Doug Kide to the pod this week. As I'm sure you all know, Doug does an amazing job covering the Patriots and the NFL for Nesson.com. And uh, you can follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Kide, all one word, D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D. How you been, Doug?
1: I've been doing all right, Trag. It's been uh sort of an odd summer, but spending yeah, a lot out of time with the family. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, I've been on. We we usually just take our huge chunk of of PTO vacation time all at once. So I've been sort of off the 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 grid a little bit for the last few weeks. But it's good to get back into this a little bit.
0: Yeah, it is, and and so the, that that eight weeks did or did not have anything to do with the pandemic.
1: No, no, it's it's just as usual we usually it's like 5 or 6 weeks of vacation time all in a row i had a little bit more this time so i think it's been 6 or 7 weeks at this point so uh but it's it's football season is right around the corner at this point i think training camp's going to be starting up next week so i'll be right back at it next week
0: So um, I've had people ask this of me, and I've asked it of Evan. Uh, How do you plan to cover uh, Patriots training camp any differently? Do you know your access at this point? I know the Patriots did send out a memo to all of us, uh, you know, in detailing how things uh, tentatively might be different. Do you have an idea of how uh, access to players is going to go? I assume all Zoom calls.
1: Yeah, I think that coaches and players will all be virtual. So the Patriots use, I think it's WebEx, uh, for their virtual meetings. So I think we'll be jumping on that with players and coaches. Um, I think that that's probably how we will talk to Bill Belichick, at least for the beginning part of the summer. And as far as covering training camp goes, I mean, that's the main part of it is talking to players and coaches and everything. But we all also like to watch the practices. And I yes. think that it's going to be much, much, much different this season for two different reasons. The first of which is that it seems like it will be a lot longer before the players are actually in pads. There's going to be, going to be an acclimation right. period. So even, you know, depending on who can show up early in training camp, you're not going to be able to see the same amount that you usually would. The second part of it is that there's going to be a cap on the number of reporters allowed and that cap is still very uncertain. It could be. As little as five reporters, it could be as many as 30 reporters. It basically comes down to how many the Patriots are going to allow us to have at each practice. So personally, I'm not preparing to go to every single training camp practice this year because who knows? I I, I mean, hopefully Nesson gets a spot every day, but I'm going to be sharing those probably with Zach Cox and Matt Chatham. So it's going to be a lot different. We're not going to have the same level of – intelligence, for lack of a better word, about some of the players uh, that people are wondering about, because we're probably only going to be at one of every two or three practices, if that, uh, this summer, which is, it's a drag, but I've I've prepared for it, and obviously it's what we have to do with everything else that's going on in the country.
0: Well, and, and I think we all understand that, but the other thing we should point out here, and you know, I've mentioned this many times in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, in, in podcasts with Evan and Sierra Goodwill, and that is the lack of OTAs, the lack of minicamp is going to be huge, at least at the start. And one of the reasons, as you just uh, suggested, that this training camp is going to be unlike any other. And that is because without those um uh, availabilities for the coaching staff to coach up these players. That normal competition that you see when training camp begins in pads is just not going to be there.
1: Right. They're not going to be able to hit the ground running at this point. No way. They haven't had those practices. So it's basically like the first three weeks of training camp is essentially going to be OTAs and mini camp. And then they're really going to have to, you know, shove training camp into this probably very short amount of time unless they are willing to push back the season, which I don't think would necessarily be the worst thing to do if they did want to get a full training camp in there for the players. But I, as far as it goes for us, and even for players, the the ones who are really hurting from this are a lot of the rookies, the undrafted no free agents, the long shots to make the roster. And the Patriots had a lot of really intriguing uh, rookies and undrafted guys this season, even some of the quarterbacks, Jamar Smith, I was excited to see, running yeah. back JJ Taylor, a lot of the wide receivers, Jeff Thomas is a burner. Um Will Hastings was Jared Stidham's slot receiver at Auburn. These guys just aren't going to get that opportunity to show what they can do with the way that practices are going to be structured. And we aren't going to be able to talk that much about them if we're only watching every other practice or so this summer. So that's definitely gonna be a lot different. But yeah, those, those undrafted guys really have to show up early and often to actually earn a spot on the roster.
0: Speaking with Doug Kide of com, covering uh, the Patriots uh, for that outlet and doing a wonderful job doing it as always. Um, Let's uh, talk about uh, what came out on Monday, and that is uh, the news that the NFL and the NFLPA had at least reached some agreement, had reached agreement actually, on testing protocols. What do you know about it from what you've read, Doug, and what kind of implications will it have, and does it compare to what the NBA or MLB already have in place?
1: Yeah, it sounds like players are going to be tested uh, pretty much every day, at least early on in the process. I think that might get pushed out to every other day or every third day once. Uh, you know, I think it's. They slip behind below 5%. Under 5%. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, so hopefully, you know, that's the case for every team right off the bat that's at 5% or lower. Because if it's 5% or higher, then, you know, you could see a case where half a team gets infected or, or an entire team or something like that, because it's not a bubble situation like the NBA. These players are kind of left to their own devices. Um, you know, when they're outside the facility, luckily for the NFL, because it is training camp, these guys are probably going to be in hotel rooms. I think they kind of refer to them as dorms, but so there's going to kind of be a bubble in Foxborough, but at the same time, they are allowed to go out into Patriot place and if they have cars they're they're allowed to kind of leave the facility and everything. We might see a little bit less of that, but I think it's a good start. I'm not sure if it's enough for the players to actually you know, get the ball rolling on training camp without knowing a little bit more information. Uh, but while it's certainly not going to be comfortable for the players to get tested every right. day, I think it is the smart thing to do. I've personally been tested twice since this began. Uh, there were the self-administered tests at CVS, which don't go quite as far up the nose. nose. <laughs> and they're still pretty uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, well, um, you know what I think, Doug? It what uh, NFL is really hoping for at this point is what MLB uh, went through. And while um there were a significant number of uh, players either testing positive or opting out, um MLB has reached a situation where they are uh, comfortable going forward with the season and they think uh because of the tests are well below that 5% mark, um you know, they're going ahead with their season. And I think that's what N- the NFL is hoping, right? Is that, um, Major League Baseball is, uh, you know, in a situation where these teams are being not only allowed to perform, uh, training camp in their home parks, uh, they're going to be allowed to travel to other stadium, uh, once the, once the season begins this Friday. And I think the NFL is kind of hoping for that same model, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a team like the Patriots are at an advantage compared to maybe some other teams in, in Florida or Arizona or Texas, just because numbers are so low in New England. So it's inevitable that players are probably going to leave. You know the the Gillette Stadium Patriot Place bubble, but it is fortunate that outside of that bubble in Massachusetts, at least for now, it is relatively safe. You can't really say the same thing about. Arizona and some of these other places. I will say that obviously it is a good sign that despite teams like the, the Diamondbacks and some of the teams in the MLB who are in higher risk, uh, areas, those numbers have stayed down. So I think that's exactly what it is that they're hoping that it's going to be the same model, uh, as the, as the MLB, uh, NBA is a little bit different since they are in that Disney World bubble, but that's just not really a accommodated. It's, it's not able to be accommodated in football. So this is the best that they're going to do. And I think that you know, based on how the MLB has handled this, I think that football should be a go uh, in September as long as things don't get completely out of control again.
0: I've pretty much felt, Doug, that all along we'd have an NFL season. Right. I was hopeful that we'd have fans, you know, sprinkled in those stadiums uh, maybe midway through the NFL season. I've pretty much given up hope. And what really uh, brought that home to roost on Monday was the news that, um New Jersey and their governor uh is uh, not going to allow fans at all this season whatsoever uh at MetLife Stadium for the Jets and Giants and I think that's going to have kind of a snowball effect uh, throughout the league. I guess other teams could opt to if if they were given permission depending on what phase they are uh of the recovery process if the you know that particular state allows fans um or th- allows people to convene in mass uh, in different areas, I guess they could get away with that, but uh, I think at this point I've given up on fans being in the NFL games.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would only be what twenty percent. Yeah, whole stadiums. Anyway, That's what which,
0: Stadium put out uh, to you know, their season ticket holders.
1: I know that. I know there's probably going to be differing views on this, but I feel like there's not a big difference between no fans and twenty percent capacity. I'd agree, you, quite honestly. Like, it, not to you know. Crap on on UMass, but I went to some UMass games at Gillette Stadium where the stadium was probably about twenty percent, if less, full, and it's kind of a depressing environment to be in. And it's it's sort of it would feel like you know one of those high school Super Bowl games. That's exactly
0: what it would be like,
1: and and it's not a good environment. It doesn't feel like you're at an event. It doesn't. It won't feel like you're at an NFL game, especially since everyone's going to have to be six feet apart from one another. I, obviously the NFL teams will want to make the money that would be involved in having the, that 20% in the stadium. But from a, from a fan, uh, you know, v- viewership point, it just would not be a good experience. I don't think.
0: No. And what I do think though, I don't think this is going to be long-term in terms of, Going on into 2021, and for one reason, right. you have too many stadiums that need to be filled. You have four brand new, well, you have three brand new stadiums opening up, right? And you want those stadiums. Th- these owners didn't spend billions and billions of dollars for those stadiums to set us, you know, right. sit empty for multiple years. I don't think they can afford that. And at this point, I think you know, I think these owners, these NFL owners, are realistic about what. You know, the pandemic means to the 2020 season, they'll, you know, obviously take the hit this year, but I think going forward, there's no way, um, that these owners would allow those stadiums to sit empty for multiple years.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, just as long as they can fill those stadiums in the future, but no, I think that some things it might take a while to, to get back to normal, but you know, hopefully there's a vaccine or some sort of treatment yep, yes. by 2021. And even if there's not even if it's not perfect obviously there still could be you know mask situations um, at least a, a lot of the stadiums are outdoor which is certainly a lot safer than indoor and the indoor stadiums are massive so it's not like you're going into you know a, a hairdresser or something it's a it's a right. gigantic footprint of a building so yeah I would agree that I think things will probably return to normal in 2021 but this year we're looking at zero to 20% capacity for these stadiums. And it's it's going to be odd, but I think that, you know, it's worth it to get football back.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, as much as it will pain me to watch these games on TV in front of empty buildings, even if they pump in the noise. It's not going to be the same, but hey, we've got football and I guess I should stop my complaining. Doug Kide of Nesson.com joining me on this week's Patriot Speed Podcast. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are, as we've been talking about, slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. BetOnline has all of the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. MLB is coming back this weekend as well. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all of the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag, or you can simply use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back with Doug Kide of Nesson.com. So Antonio Brown is hanging him up Again, at the age of 32, he retired on Monday. You think it's good for, the, uh, you know, you think it's for good at this time? I think it is.
1: Um, I sort of feel like he's doing this or saying this simply because no one's actually interested in signing him. That's what I Evan Lazar
0: that, tweeted out as well.
1: Yeah, I think that his mind might change if the Seahawks or the, you know, Cardinals or some other team comes calling for his services. Uh, I think that this is him trying to save face, but it's... It's about a year late at this point for him. Um, he
0: is that desperate for attention, isn't
1: he? Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, no one's paying attention to him right now. So now he's going to say he's going to retire. And what? It's the second time since he did this in September too that yeah, NFL that doesn't tweet want me, So I don't want the NFL, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, the, uh, this. All of this just goes to show that anyone who was criticizing the Patriots for cutting Antonio oh. Brown oh. back in September is is. is and if they're still doing it, then they're fighting a losing battle because that was absolutely the right choice for the, for the Patriots to do. And what? There's been one team, the Saints, that showed interest since then, and they backed out after <laughs> after a couple hours of him being at the facility. So, no, absolutely the right choice for the Patriots to cut him. It was the only way that they could have done this.
0: I think Colin Kaepernick is back in the NFL anytime soon.
1: No, I thought it was kind of, this is months late probably at this point or whatever, but I thought it was kind of funny when the Chargers said that he was on their emergency contact list or whatever it was. And I think Anthony Lynn said that you'd have to be insane to not have him be on that list. It's like, dude, the guy's not (laughs) been in the NFL for four years. Like... I guess you're insane then. Like you haven't you haven't showed any interest in signing him since he since he got you know released or whatever it was by the Forty right. ers So I thought that was kind of an odd thing for Anthony Lynn to say. I don't think so. I think that if it was going to happen, it might have happened already. Maybe if a team has a, a rash of injuries at quarterback, uh, then maybe a team like the Chargers or or a team that you know might be more accommodating for him will sign him. But I personally. I don't see it at this point. I, I hope so. Uh, I, I, I want to see what he can do in the NFL at this point, but it seems a little bit doubtful that after four years, he he'd finally join the team again.
0: Assuming that he is healthy and his shoulder and foot are healed. Cam Newton is your opening day starting quarterback for the new England Patriots.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And no question, I, right? No, uh, I'd say like 90%. I mean, because I don't know. I mean, like uh, I have to look at Cam Newton's stats as we're doing this right now. This I know this oh, isn't the greatest radio right now. Um, but I I look back or I think back to say, what was it? The twenty sixteen season after the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, that, that would be his twenty fifteen season when they when the Panthers made the Super yeah. Bowl at seventeen and one.
1: He was fantastic.
0: He was M V P and yes. he was He was tremendous, but then he started running around more. He did get hurt. He got nicked and banged up, uh, but not as badly as his 2018 and 2019 seasons.
1: In 2015, he only completed – or in 2016, he only completed 52.9% of his passes. I know that that was now four years ago, and he's had, you know, three seasons since then where he's certainly completed more than 52% of his passes. Wasn't great in 17 or 19, but if – if that's the Cam Newton that shows up, even if he is fully healthy, how long would Bill Belichick be okay with his quarterback completing 53% of passes? No. So, no. I mean, obviously I think that is tied to his health. I think that he would only be that bad if the shoulder and the ankle are problems. And at that point, they might just say, all right, we've got to move on and roll with Jared Stidham. But I don't know. that That 2016 season is a little bit concerning. Personally, I I definitely think that Newton is the front runner. I think he probably will be the starting quarterback in 2020. But the amount of struggles that Newton has had since that Super Bowl season, I certainly wouldn't, you know, bet my house on it by any means.
0: You see his numbers in 2018, by the way? Yeah. The completion percentage? Absolutely, 67.9. I know people
1: forget about that.
0: Yeah, why? Do you remember any change in the coaching? Is that when Riverboat Ron was fired toward the end of the year or –
1: no, that was... No, um,
0: I'm trying to think, why would the numbers have spiked that high? Yeah, Norv
1: Turner is his OC in 2018, so maybe that had something to do with it. Um I mean, if
0: if you are looking for reasons to be optimistic as a Patriot fan, and you think that the offensive coordinator had something to do with it, I think yeah. that is encouraging if you're a Patriots fan.
1: No, for sure. I mean, in 2017, it was Mike as offensive coordinator. Next season, like you said, 67%. Uh, completion percentage, it was Norv Turner. Then last year, it was uh, Norv Turner and Scott Turner. But we don't really know what would have happened if, if Cam Newton, you know, had stayed healthy last season. Maybe he would have wound up being a little bit better. But no, I think that, you know, having Josh McDaniels, it's certainly going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting fit on both sides because McDaniels can't run his offense with Cam Newton. He can't run the Tom Brady offense because that would be wasting a lot of Cam Newton's skills. But I made this point after the Patriots signed Newton, and I actually haven't had a ton of opportunity to even talk about this yet. So Please you do. On, your on vacation for so The long. floor
0: is entirely yours, Doug.
1: But I think that you could probably look at this either way. But I think that there's an advantage if you have to go into a season with a new quarterback. I do think that there's an advantage to having a more athletic quarterback rather than maybe a more traditional quarterback. Because in the past, there have been teams that have had success, say, midway through the season, switching to a more athletic quarterback. We saw it with the San Francisco 49ers uh, with Colin Kaepernick back in, what was that, 2012. Uh, We saw it with Lamar Jackson back in 2018 with the Baltimore Ravens, where just out of nowhere, you have to switch quarterbacks, and you go from more of a traditional quarterback like Alex Smith or Joe Flacco to a more athletic option like Colin Kaepernick, uh, or Lamar Jackson, and teams aren't really accustomed to to what they're seeing yet. At that point, you can simplify the offense a little bit just because the quarterback can do more with his feet. He, he's a more athletic option. If the play breaks option.
0: down, like if your right. offensive line is not cohesive, I'm right. not saying that's the case with the Patriots at yeah. all. I think it's actually pretty cohesive, all things considered. But if things break down, if a play breaks down, you, you have a quarterback who is proven to be one of the best running quarterbacks uh, in NFL history, strong. And he is going to be able to extend plays the way Brady wasn't.
1: Right. No, absolutely. And quite honestly, I mean, you probably won't see the option routes that the Patriots were using uh, with Tom Brady. If Cam Newton is the starting quarterback, simply because he's not going to know the offense well enough. He's not going to be able to make those checks. If they do try to do that, it'll look like the way that the Miami Dolphins did last season with Chad O'Shea as their quarterback. If it's Jared Sidham, then, yeah, maybe they will be able to run some of the more complex things because he's been around for, for two years now. But if it's Cam Newton, I mean, I know that he's diving headfirst in the play up, playbook. He's done a really good job, you know, learning playbooks in the past. But this is a different, this is a different beast with the way that this offseason is structured with the fact that he wasn't part of those meetings in the spring. And now he's just trying to jump in headfirst during the summer, trying to learn everything. That, combined with the fact that there's a lot of new wide receivers in the Patriots offense, I don't think it's going to be the same offense that, that we've seen in the past. Maybe they'll try to run that, but I think pretty quickly they will have to adjust for Cam, for Nikhil Harry, for Mohamed Sanu, uh, for some of these other guys, Marquise Lee, who, who have joined the team this offseason.
0: So Jarrett uh is getting garoppolo
1: <laughs> Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm still pretty high on Jared Stidham. I think that at the very least, Stidham could have a shot next season since Newton's only signed for one year. But I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Stidham could beat out Cam Newton. I know that sounds insane, but given the deal that they gave Cam Newton, it's an extremely easy contract to get out of for the Patriots.
0: You know what? I mean, they did that, uh, because at the time they didn't have the cap room that they got right. with the Antonio Brown, uh, and Aaron Hernandez reliefs, right?
1: Right. And I mean, it worked out pretty well for them that they could say to Cam Newton, oh, sorry, we don't have any money. (laughs) This is all we can give you. But I think that you can't look at at the Newton signing it in a vacuum. You have to look at it with the contract that they gave them. And and that's why they signed him, because they could sign that contract. You know, if they were in the situation they were right now with $7 million in cap space, I don't know if, if Cam would say, oh, yeah, I'll take a deal for $1.75 million." He might be asking for closer to 5 or $6 million, And then at that point, who knows if the Patriots would sign him because they were willing to go all the way into, what, June or July with only Jarrett and Brian Hoyer, and two rookies at quarterback. So they were certainly willing to go into the season with that. They weren't banking on signing Cam Newton. Cam Newton's price just dropped so much that they were finally like, yeah, okay, we'll sign him. <laughs> we'll see how this goes.
0: Stephon Gilmore, a member of an exclusive club. I saw you tweet that on Monday. The
1: 99 Club on Madden. I think that's pretty impressive. Absolutely, really cool for him. I, you know, that that was a signing that right off the bat didn't appear to be going so hot for the Patriots. He certainly had some struggles no. earlier in the twenties yeah. But he's, I mean, rebounded like crazy to the point where now he's in 99 on Madden. I don't think that you could have foreseen that happening when he was a Buffalo Bill or when the Patriots signed him as a free agent. I was shocked when the Patriots signed him back in 2017. But, yeah, that's a deal that worked out really well.
0: It worked out really well. And, you know, we've both been around the Patriots, but uh, you're around them every single day, and you talk to a lot of people inside the organization. How much of that is Stefan Gilmore maturing and understanding the NFL better, and how much of that is coaching him up?
1: I think it's it's pretty equal on those fronts. Uh, I think that he's certainly taken a step forward himself. I think that he also fits the defense incredibly well and I think that the defenders around him help him out quite a bit because, you know, you can only be so good as a cornerback until you have to trust your safeties. And he's had Devin McCourty back there for the past 3 seasons, not to bail him out, but that's a safety net that you can absolutely trust in. But at the same time, the Patriots have a cornerback in Stefan Gilmore that they can trust to cover guys one-on-one and then move Devin McCourty to the other side of the field to help out the other cornerback. So, you know, it, it's a give-and-take there where he certainly helps the Patriots defense, but everyone around him is also helping him just with how well they all know know the defense, how good the communication is. Uh, so uh, it, it's just been a, a really good marriage on both sides. Do You know, uh,
0: and this is kind of off the beaten path but related – How the, how Belichick and the Patriots defensive staff have decided in years past, uh, maybe game to game, whether to use their shutdown corner like a Gilmore or uh, Darrell Revis or Ty Law on the best receiver or how to bracket the best receiver and decide to, uh, put their best corner on the other end.
1: I think ultimately it really just comes down to whether that opposing receiver is a good coverage fit for their top cornerback. So, I know that's kind of a cop out to say, but well, say, no. t- t- take Tyreek Hill for example. Like t- t- Stefan Gilmore, that's not the best coverage fit for Stefan Gilmore to take Tyreek Hill one-on-one just because he's he's so fast, he's sh- so shifty. Gilmore does a lot better against the bigger guys. So, in that situation, yeah, they're going to say all right, bracket him with JC Jackson and Devin McCordy or Jonathan Jones and Devin McCordy, and then we'll let, you know, Stefan Gilmore t- take on Sammy Watkins. Whereas, you know, the first receiver who comes to mind, say it's against Alan Robinson, that's a much better fit for someone like Stephon Gilmore, just because he can be a little bit more physical with him. And I mean, we've seen Stefan Gilmore have success against tight end. So he's not gonna have any trouble with right. a big physical wide receiver. If the guy's extremely fast though, then that might be where Gilmore runs into, uh you know, a little bit more issues.
0: This is why I can't wait for football to get back in return. <laughs> I because I want to have these discussions. I don't want to be uh, having stupid freaking COVID testing uh, protocol discussions. I know. And the fans know. don't care. I mean, look, we understand it's part of the beat. We understand it's part of the news element of what we're covering. Right. Get it? Totally understand. But the fans, I think, have tuned out a lot of this. And understandably so. And I think, I'm curious to see how they come back, how the fans come back, if it's a simply a TV sport, which it looks like it's heading that way, at least to start the 2020 season.
1: It, it helps with football that it is a better TV sport than it is an in-person experience, just because of the, the size of the stadiums, uh, the weather involved and everything. Like, It's not baseball where, you know, you just want to go to a baseball game. So you go to a baseball game for for football. It is such a good viewing experience, but no, I'm with you. Like I'm so glad that I've been able to sort of ignore a lot of the news that's gone on in the past six or seven weeks, because it's just not something that's fun to cover. You you don't, you don't want to have to write about, Oh, the guys are tested every day. Like, all right. You know, I, I, I dropped back on for the Cam Newton news because it was so important, but right. I- I'm glad that beyond that, there hasn't been a whole lot else that I've missed out on because this is the kind of stuff that I don't mind, you know, passing off to someone else.
0: Um, I am, and we've had this come up back to speaking of something that I didn't want to bring up, um, <laughs> opting out. Do you think, how many, pe- how many players do you think are going to wind up opting out? Do you think it's going to be a large number? Do you think it's going to be like one per team? Because that, that is going to be apparently available to NFL players who are not comfortable with the protocols, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty limited. I would be surprised if it was even one per team. Um, and maybe I, maybe I wind up being wrong on that, but it just – The only reason I hesitate,
0: point. Doug, not to interrupt you, but the only yeah. reason I hesitate, this is not baseball. Okay, and right. it, it is guys in each other's faces, spitting, breathing, whatever, and you know and that's the point. Obviously, Rodney Harrison made uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like he can't even see it, envision a scenario where you have an NFL season, uh, but you know it's obvious from a lot of these players, including Devin and Jason McCourty, JJ Watt. They've been very vocal. We want to play, right? Uh, And they made that very evident, very clear to the players union. Come up with some type of testing protocol because we want to play. We want to, we want to be safe, but we want to play. I'm just curious how many players around the league might be feeling like Rodney Harrison, especially offensive and defensive linemen.
1: I'm going to throw back that uh, it's definitely a good point where you can play baseball without coming within six feet of someone he like pretty Easily. well, you know, like yeah. other than when you're at first base or as a runner or whatever it is. Right. At the same time uh, baseball and basketball players get paid on average quite a bit more than football players. So unless it's a guy who's made $20 million per season, and that's a very limited amount of football players who have made that type of money, a player who's on a rookie contract, You know, some of these guys are living paycheck to paycheck. I know that sounds insane when you're making 500 grand, but it's the lifestyle that comes with it. They're not living in, you know, $300,000 homes. They're paying either exorbitant rent or they're buying, you know, cars to go along with their lifestyle. So I would say the majority of players might not have that safety net to say, all right, I'm going to forgo a paycheck for a season because I don't feel safe it really would come down to the Russell Wilsons and the JJ Watts and the, the absolutely top echelon paid players who even might have the opportunity to do that because a lot of these guys have families that they have to support uh, beyond immediate family, but also, you know, parents and everything. So I don't know. There's a lot of players who won't won't even have the, the opportunity to do that without, you know, finding some other income.
0: So you're back on the beat.
1: Uh, yeah, as of, as of next week, I'll be off vacation time and, and back on the beat. This is, uh, I'm getting a lot of family time in right now. I was just out in the, the inflatable swimming pool with my daughter. So, uh, it's, yeah, that, you know, it, it's been an odd summer, as we both kind of said, but the amount of family time that I've been able to get in ha- has definitely been, been nice.
0: I've been playing tennis with Janie and Emma, and so Absolutely. far I'm undefeated in three nice. sets. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, that, that's it. A 54 year old guy, uh, old guy, uh, bragging about beating up on his, uh, college age daughters. That's, hey, that's, that's great, Trash.
1: They're in the, they're in the peak of their athletic lives and n- no offense, tracks, uh, but you're not, so. No, I am not. <laughs> that's something to hang your hat on. No, that's, that's great.
0: Well, uh, I really appreciate you joining me, Doug. Yeah. I, you know, appreciate you taking time out toward the end of your vacay and, uh, Talking about a sport that we hope is back in full force, at least with one, maybe one preseason game, but more likely than not, uh, in early September, uh, with a 16 game regular season.
1: Absolutely. No, it's, it's been fun and it's good. It kind of helps me get back into the swing of things before the real stuff starts next week to, uh, to kind of get my mind fresh on everything that's going on. So, so it's always fun to talk to you, Tregs.
0: You bet, Doug. want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Doug Kide. Follow him on Twitter at Doug Kide, all one word, D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, BetOnline.ag. For producer Michael Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriot Speed Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.